In today's episode, we'll be delving into the movie The Hate You Give with Dr. Tina Ministry, a psychologist and social media influencer, and we'll be talking about trauma, the healing process, code switching, and much more. Hi, Tina. Thank you so much for being a part of our podcast today. Do you want to start by introducing yourself? Sure. So my name's Tina Mystery. I'm a clinical psychologist based in the UK, so in Birmingham, to be specific. Um, And I work in private practice. So that basically means that I don't work for any organisation. I work for myself. I mainly see people who are um, 18 and above. um, And Mm. I also specialise in working with South Asian people. Mm. Mm, I see. So how did you get interested in this career path? Was there something that inspired you or made you realize that this is the path for you? Yeah, so it's bizarre because, you know, when you're growing up, you almost kind of get told, oh, you know, have you thought about this career, that career? And the typical ones are doctor, lawyer, (laughs) the usual. And I remember growing up thinking... Actually, I want to be a nurse. I really wanted to be a nurse. And there was something that drew me to nursing. This was when I was like knee high. Mm. Um, And then, you know, I thought, okay, I'll be a nurse. And then I went through this weird phase of wanting to be a fashion designer, as most girls do. Um, And yeah, I I grew up and I was kind of like at secondary school. So that's high school, I think your equivalent. And I I came across a, a program that talked about mental health. Um, and they were talking about depression and I was like what is this this is so interesting Um, and as I kind of like listened to it a bit more they were talking about talking therapies and I was like oh wow this is really interesting Mm -hmm. so then I went off and kind of did a bit of research to find out about what is mental health how do do we help with it and Mm -hmm. then the uh, the sort of career of psychologist came across and I was like that kind of is what I want to do. I want to help people. I want to help people in a non-medical way. That really Mm -hmm. stuck with me. Um, So that's kind of where it started. And I was only 16 years old when I sort of figured that out um, quite early on. And and what I realized was actually in order to get into clinical psychology, you need to almost have this real sort of career focused driven um approach to it because it is so I don't, I don't know how it is in in the states but it's really competitive in the uk mm-hmm. um, because it is a funded course and you have to kind of almost jump through so many sets of hoops to get to that point yeah. um because it's not only your undergraduate degree it's also then you have to do a doctorate as well so a phd equivalent so yeah oh, wow. it's a long yeah. journey yeah, I think here I, we have four years of undergrad and then you have four years of med school, which would be for psychiatry. I'm not sure about psychologists, though. Mm. I think it is. I think it is all, all similar. Um, yeah, I think you have to go through some grad school for that as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, from a young age, I kind of knew that this is the path I wanted to take. Yeah, I think a lot of times we're looking for these large lightning bolt signs to clue us in on what we're meant to do for the rest of our lives. But I think sometimes we just have to look at the smaller things, like what piques our interest, what we can spend hours doing and never get tired of. And I think these little meetings and these little messages are really what indicate our passions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got to say, I, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky, and I feel, I feel so like 
it's not privilege. I don't know what it is, but I feel a great sense of gratitude for finding something that I really do enjoy. Like I wake up in the morning, I think I really, really enjoy what I do. And the beauty about being a psychologist is that it's not just therapy. And, and that's the thing is that there's so many different avenues you can go down. Mm-hmm. So you could go down the research route, you could go down the teaching route, you could go down the training route, you could consult, you know. So mm-hmm. there's so many different avenues that kind of can open up um but the the beauty is you pick and choose what suits you so i think no day is ever the same for me so that's quite nice as well it's a lot of adventure and exploring Mm. okay so i think so this this um sessions especially we wanted to focus on this movie that we watched called the hit you give and kind of explore the mental health aspects of it especially because it's such a relevant movie and especially today's times so we can start by just kind of talking about the plot line of the movie and just kind of giving a synopsis of what it was about. Do you want to talk us through on like what happened in the storyline a bit? Yeah. So getting into the movie we're going to be discussing today, The Hit You Give. Do you mind giving us a little recap of the movie for listeners who might not have seen it yet? Yeah. So I, I, I'll admit it was a few weeks ago now <laughs> I watched it. Um, but it's centered around a teenager. I think she was about 15, 16 years old. Yeah. Am I about right? Yeah. Um, and her name was uh, Star, is that right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and she was obviously African American. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's basically the, the, the sort of story was around her and her family and of how she went through this extremely traumatic event of losing uh, a close friend um, at an altercation with a white police officer. So basically her friend got shot um, as a result of of that altercation. Um, And I think that it's so hugely relevant because of the whole George Floyd stuff that happened. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, I know it's, it's a year, it's over a year old, isn't it? Actually, Uh, the film itself, if I'm correct. Yeah, I think it came out in 2018. Yeah, so so good coming up to two years now. Um, and I, I didn't know about it when it first came out. It was only when you drew my attention to it. And I just thought watching it, I was I was so moved because uh, it, it, I think it's aimed at sort of, you know, young adults, teenage mm-hmm, yeah. um, age group. I don't fit that anymore. <laughs> so it was like, whoa, this is really powerful stuff especially because mm-hmm. it's a topic that we all talk about, we're all thinking about it. Um, but it, it is, it's done in a way that is so relevant for yeah. the young adults, you know, teenagers and, and young adults. So, you know, the whole kind of um, storyline centers around her, the sort of, the journey she goes through in how, her life just flips and she becomes mm-hmm. sort of almost hyper aware of her identity, these social yeah. injustices that she sees around. She begins to question her identity. She questions her friendships and her relationships around her. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, she comes out on the other end, almost this sort of um, grown, grown person yeah. who yeah. believes in something bigger than herself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that's that's the point where it just ends, you know, and I think that that's so fascinating to leave out at that point because actually it's relevant because the story isn't the end. There is, the, yeah. you know, there is going to be a continuation of this. This isn't just 
a fairy tale movie where things just become all nice, nice and lovely, you know. It, it, yeah. it is, you know, this kind of continuation of the storyline. So, yeah, a really interesting watch. I loved all the music. I loved all the sort of relevance to, um, you know, kind of popular culture. Because, again, that's what mm -hmm. it's about. It's about making things relevant to young people and speaking yeah. in a way that it speaks to them you know it doesn't have to be complex language or anything like that it's it's mm -hmm. just got to be i think it was quite raw as well you know the intensity of some of the scenes in particular yeah. um i i was i i think i was crying at one point you know there was a few points where i was really moved i thought gosh you know, for a young person to watch this i wonder what they had taken from it and you know what discussions had this allowed them to to kind of um, mm -hmm. open out really yeah the intensity of the scenes definitely help make sure that it's impacted how this issue is not something that can be placed on the back burner that we need to address it now and we need to do something and act on it and i think just this rawness really helps encapsulate that yeah and i think what what was really good about the film was that it had um just this lovely flow of, you know, kind of mixture of humor, a mixture of kind of sadness, mm -hmm. some depth, some grit. Um, and, you know, I, I think that it was done, it was just done very well. It wasn't just this really deep, dark, depressing film about this uh, issue, you know, about systemic uh, yeah. oppression and racism. It, it had the hints of the playfulness of being a teenager and the the kind of, you know, the normal teenage experience as well which was which was mm -hmm. quite fascinating as well which was nice to watch as a yeah. whole I think it's beautifully and, done yeah yeah I definitely agree it's a very balanced movie and I think that really helped with the engagement because it adds so many different tones to the movie while you're watching it and it just kind of takes you on this roller coaster of emotions and the character star actually experienced a lot of trauma in the movie we saw she had her best friend killed in front of her and how it kind of affected her and she was kind of aimlessly wandering the halls her friendships were wavering what did you think of the way they depicted how the trauma impacted star yeah so trauma is a hugely subjective experience so you know one of the things that we we struggle to do within the kind of clinical world is to explain to people what does trauma mean and how does it what does it look like for each of us and actually it's very very individual so it all depends on kind of your individual and your personal and even your familial um and what i mean by that is kind of what's happened in your family and your intergenerational uh, experience as well as how we experience trauma so it's highly subjective so for, for, for Star in particular, so what we did find out in, in the portrayal of the how she experienced trauma was that actually she had experienced um, a, a traumatic incident prior to the, the death of her friend. I think it was her another close friend of hers yeah. who had, had died as well. Um, and they were quite young. And again, that kind of makes sense because she must have suppressed all of that, gone through some stuff. And often, you know, when you're, when you're talking about children that are under the age of 10, it's often a behavioral experience rather than a psychological or emotional experience. You know, that's how the expression is. But because of Star's age, you know, she was a, she's a teenager. She was able to kind of make sense and starting to kind of put the pieces together in terms of analyzing her relationships. 
And ultimately, the, the crucial thing that happened with uh, Star's experience was her, her sense of safety. So typically in post-traumatic stress disorder, which is the diagnosable condition where, where we normally think about what trauma is, we have the elements of hypervigilance, we have the elements of um, you know, hyperarousal, the anxiety, the startled mm. response. Um, we also have this sort of numbing or the dissociation, which maybe we could kind of start to see in her behavior and reaction, the reliving, the flashbacks, um, and she had such a visceral experience. So following the, um, the, the incident, she was with her dad and she was vomiting the next day. So again, all of these real kind of raw experiences of what she had saw and her body trying to process that. And mm -hmm. I think that, you know, that, like I said, it's, it's a very subjective experience, but it was very fascinating how they didn't just kind of, you know, the, 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 um, the storyline wasn't just about it being in her head. It actually was in her body. Yeah. And we know that actually that's what trauma is. It's a, a physical response to a abnormal event where, mm -hmm. where we are being threatened. You know, something is threatening us or we've experienced something that is threatening. Mm -hmm. So I think they, they had, they had depicted trauma in its, its, in a, in a kind of, it's hard to say accurate because it's probably accurate for, for Star and her experience. Yeah. Um, that there is not, there is no one set way of experiencing trauma. It is hugely individual. And if somebody says, or, you know, kind of talks about an experience which has led them to feel this huge sense of overwhelm, this huge sense of shift in who they are and what they are and what, what they're thinking about, that is trauma. You know, that's more than just a wound, I would say. So, so well constructed, I think. Yeah, I think that's an important idea. That, like everybody goes through it differently. And I think that we can't just expect like, the same symptoms or the same responses for each person. I think that's no. something that we have to remember as well. Like when we're trying to look at what we might have and have tried self-diagnosis all. Tricky, isn't it? Because I think that when we see, um, you know, DSM or ICD diagnoses, we, we kind of almost, it, makes us want to pigeonhole and kind of fit that diagnosis or not fit mm -hmm. it. But actually trauma is hugely subject, subjective. Um, and you know, for, for, for me anyway, as a clinician, one of the things I always hear about or want to know about is what has happened in your story? What has happened to you? And you know, in Star's story, that is what has happened to her. She witnessed the death mm -hmm. of her friend you know and that is something that she needs healing with yeah and for the healing process let's say if you sat down with star where would it begin and how would you approach it yeah i mean i think whenever i think about trauma i always think about safety so that that's the first thing that you know in anyone's healing they should be trying to create somehow and that can be either by reaching out to family and friends and, you know, her parents and her kind of, you know, support network knew straight away that this is what she needed. You know, her dad was there the night, you know, you know, during mm -hmm. the night with her, showing her kind of physical, practical and emotional support, you know. And there was this real sense of protection that I saw from the family members, even though there were a disagreement on how to proceed, because um, what had happened at that point was Star was, 
part of the the inquiry or the kind of you know court case as such and being a minor mm -hmm. it's a lot to take on and yeah. also at the same time her again the the safety of her family was threatened because of um snitching or kind mm -hmm. of you know that was a huge thing you know um mm -hmm. and i think that that's where you you know she felt that conflict she felt that sense of who am I loyal to? Am I loyal to my friend who, who has died and lost his life? Or am I loyal to my wider community who I need to keep safe to a degree for, for not being exposed for, for what, what has happened? And, you know, as we learn throughout the film that there is a significant history with her dad. And I think it's that he's kind of like the drug lord, isn't he, of, the, yeah, of that community. Yeah, really fascinating. And, you know, it, it's it's fascinating to see how you know dad had a different approach and mom had a different approach mom's approach was all about kind of that physical sense of safety and trying mm -hmm. to create um kind of boundaries and distance between um kind of what what is quite negative you know negative impact on her um, and then dad was almost like this social justice warrior, you know, he was like, yeah. no, we need to, we need to fight for black rights. And actually that means that we don't step away from our community. We stay within and we support from within. So she was massively conflicted there. Um, mm -hmm. but I think they did a good enough job of helping her to navigate her way. Um, which I think that's the crucial part, isn't it? Because again, like everyone's journey of healing is going to be different and it's about honoring and advocating for what feels safe for that person. What feels safe for me might be different for you again. So it's, yeah. it's about holding that uniqueness. Yep. And I think this again emphasizes how individualized this really is and how no two people go through the same process the same way. And talking about the healing process and the healing journey, how long do you think that it can take someone to overcome this trauma? Because I imagine that it is a different process for different people and it can have varying times as well. Mm, yeah. I mean, sadly, I think that we have this misconception that if we are, are, are hurt or wounded or traumatized, it will take weeks to get fixed. And actually, I think that's a huge disservice to an individual if we're saying that. What we're hoping for is not to put a sticky plaster on the, the, the trauma or the wound, mm -hmm. however deep that wound might be. What we need to be doing is creating um, an environment where the healing can fully occur, you know, from the inside out as opposed to mm -hmm. the outside in. Um, mm -hmm. Here in the UK, sadly, we, we have a service that is free. We have the National Health Service. And, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of clients that I have worked in, worked with in, in the health services, sadly, only get a set number of sessions, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And often clients who have experienced a traumatic event like this, what, what we realize is that actually there's more to it than that star's story isn't just about the death of her best friend yeah. we have to go to the incident where she witnessed her younger friend die we have to mm -hmm. talk about the fact that her dad was incarcerated we have to talk about her grandfather and her great-great-grandfather and all of the systemic oppression and the systemic 
issues that she faces. So it's not just about the single incident, it's about trying to almost narrate and create a whole story for her. So we mm -hmm. want to create a beginning, middle, and then we hope that the healing process is about starting to create an ending of, of that story or, you know, kind of what this could look like once she leaves the therapist's room, for, for example. What meaning is she going to make from these experiences? And, you know, the, the film did that quite well in that, mm -hmm. you know, she found her voice. She found um, that she... Uh, felt like she could advocate for her community, you know, towards the end of the film, she was yeah. there protesting. And it was obviously quite heartbreaking to see that despite her efforts, and this is the struggle, isn't it? It's the reality of the struggle is that they, they continue to struggle, you know, they continue mm -hmm. to try and try to get their voices heard. And I mean, you know, towards the end, you can see that there was some level of justice um, happen but that wasn't again. It wasn't that kind of fairy tale ending. It was well, the fight still goes on. Yeah. So it is about kind of finding what is what does it mean to you having been through the ex experience, and what do you want to take forward? And often people who go through certain events like this, it changes their values. It changes what they believe in. It almost mm -hmm. opens them up to see things that they may have not seen before. Mm, I see what you're saying. And something interesting in the movie is that we saw how the trauma also affected the way Stark kind of had her life in two different spheres. What did you think of the way they depicted the trauma affecting these identities and, and having Stark grapple with the two different worlds that she found herself in? Mm. Yeah, so I think she did a, you know, a very good job of trying to um, keep those two very separate, you know, her separation of her lives and that duality um, mm -hmm. And that many people of color, children of, of immigrants will, will experience myself too. I've been through that kind of um, experience of kind of being one thing there and another thing here. And, you know, this is about, the, I guess the event itself has, it, it kind of lifts a veil, doesn't it? It lifts something. It almost forces her to start to integrate who she is you know who are, who am i following this event what has this event taught me about myself and actually i think that's where her her kind of questions start to arise you know she starts to question her school friends and their value set and their beliefs around well do you see me do you see my color do you see my struggle and you know it makes her question her, her sort of relationships in, in that context. Um, mm. So I think that, you know, those kind of events make you question, what am I, uh, you know, what am I, what am I providing and how do others see me in this? Um, mm. And it's not uncommon for relationships to, um, to be put under pressure following this, because if it's going to shift you so profoundly, and you hold that value set of, you know, this is who I am. This is how I make sense of me now following this event. But you don't see me like that. Or, you know, in, in uh, Star's case, she saw how almost superficial her relationships were with her school friends. Um, that she couldn't tolerate that anymore because 
of the discovery of how much emotional pain she had to kind of keep together because mm -hmm. I guess that was lifted, wasn't it, in that process and how actually she couldn't be her and show her true depth of, of distress in that setting. So in that setting, her pain was, was not tolerated, was not um, accepted. Um, therefore, she's not accepted and she's not tolerated. Mm -hmm. And if like, let's say Star hadn't come to this conflict of realizing her true identities were so vastly different, and like, because I know a lot of people also experience code switching. What me what mental and physical toll can it take if we continue to kind of live in these two divergent identities? Like over time, how does it just start to affect us? I guess you know. I mean, there's something about you know this splitting because I guess that's what it feels like, doesn't it? There's this real sense of not knowing which is the authentic self. Mm -hmm. And I. I it's a good question, isn't it? Like, what are the consequences if you continue to go down that? And I think there's something about losing a sense of who you are. And actually, throughout um, our development, we are constantly questioning who we are. Um, and, and, you know, if you think about the, the stages of development, we go through various shifts. So Ericsson talks about the stages of um, development. And actually, I think that if we, we, we will always get to a point where we have what, I, what, we, what might be called classed as crises. So in the teenage years in particular, we will experience that identity crises in that, mm -hmm. you know, we're trying to make sense of who we are in relation to our peers. And then when we get to, you know, um, early adulthood, kind of 18, 19, 20, during university years or college years, we have probably another crisis then and we're trying to figure out, okay, so who am I now in relation to my career or kind of, you know, my, my peer network? And similarly, you know, it happens again when we're, you know, in relationships and in intimate relationships in particular. So we're constantly going through these processes of questioning and you know, kind of getting to a point where things are getting to a head. So people, that, that's when often people kind of get into that sense of, oh my gosh, I don't understand what's happening. What, why do I feel whatever I feel, you know? Um, people might start to question their friendships, like, like Star did. People might um, start to feel a sense of anxiety because they don't know where they're going in life. Um, people might start to feel low in mood because they feel like actually this is not how I want to live. Gosh, it's all hopeless. And actually there's nobody here who really can hear me. So we can experience a variety of distress and discomfort because of, you know, the, the idea of not actually knowing who we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a complex process. Like it's kind of so when you think about it there's so many different ways and avenues that we can be affected yeah absolutely yeah. Mm -hmm. and i also want to talk about the title of the movie the hit you give and how it's an acronym for an idea represented by the words thug life what were your thoughts on the way that this idea impacted the characters in the movie and how they portrayed the idea of thug life yeah the hate you give yeah um for me, it is, you know, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because 
what they talk about, and correct me if I'm wrong, but how I interpreted it was how the hatred is internalized. You know, there's this sort of idea that actually, if they hate us, we almost hate ourselves because of that. You know, there is this sort of idea mm -hmm. that it's internalized and we then hate on others because we feel so rubbish about ourselves, you know. Um, and you see this, you see this, um, you know, in various communities and settings. So in the black community, you can see how there is this sort of, you know, and I think they talked about how they, they don't support each other and how um, mm -hmm. there isn't this kinship. Um, but if you are constantly being told that, you know, I'm not enough, I'm rubbish or I'm, you know, whatever it is, you mm -hmm. always start to align yourself with those ideas. And if you don't feel like you're enough, you, you're going to think, you know, that another person who looks like you isn't enough, you know, that they're trash, for example. Mm -hmm. So it, it's kind of like this idea that, there is no space for compassion. There is no space for kindness because we've never received it. Mm -hmm. you know, we've never really understood what that means. Yeah. And I think that moment when, um, I think it was one of the last scenes where the, the little boy, the brother picks up the gun and you just mm -hmm. think, oh my goodness, you know, that actually the, the, the and I'm gonna use the word trauma in a loosest sense, that the trauma of this internal hate, mm -hmm. it just continues, it continues and it spirals mm -hmm. and it goes from generation to generation to generation to generation. Um, and it filters down and, you know, as little as, I don't know how old that child was, but he was young, you know, and he was able to pick up a gun and instinctively protect his family or protect whoever he needed to protect but that was the only way he saw fit yeah in the situation we kind of saw how star stepped in and diffused the situation and with all this hate how do you think that we can try to kind of process it and still come out with compassion and love yeah it's a big one <laughs> it's such a huge thing because it's not just about you know, internal compassion. That's one component of it, of course, for sure, because mm -hmm. we know that we have to learn to love ourselves first. If we can start to learn to love ourselves, we'll be able to love others, right? That's, that's a given. We know this stuff. And this stuff comes from religion, spirituality. It's been around for years and years and years. This stuff we know. This is what religion talks about, compassion, kindness, love for one another, and for ourselves mm -hmm. but sadly we're up again up against systems you yeah. know years and years of oppression these ideas that there is a a higher race you know and all of that stuff mm -hmm. so there's only so much love and compassion that will try and kind of fight that we it, it's got to be you know a multimodal um kind of shift and change mm -hmm. um and it is about dismantling it's dismantling these systems now this is not an overnight process as we know this has been going on for years you know it's years and years and years um of this this kind of you know white supremacy mm -hmm. um and 
it is about just continuing, 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 because if we let go of hope and, and not have these conversations, we then fall into complicity and, and, and silence, really. So it is about, you know, this idea of, of self, self-care, self-love, self-compassion, but also then the community level and then the systems level and, and whatever in between there is. So it, mm-hmm. it, it's got to be much bigger than just us, but we are very much part of it. Yep, definitely. And facing such big, large structures, how do we continue to stay optimistic and continue to hope for a better tomorrow? Mm. I think I struggle with the word staying optimistic because mm-hmm. that for me, I hear in my ear this kind of concept of positive vibes only. And I struggle with that because I don't think that's realistic. Mm-hmm. compassion the root of compassion is not about making things better the idea of compassion in its true essence and true form so compassion um, comes from buddhism and the idea of compassion is the uh the intention to relieve pain distress and it's the intention it's the intention to go towards someone's pain, the intention to go to someone's, you know, uh, confusion, hurt, whatever, mm-hmm. and hold it and bear it. That's compassion. Compassion isn't about this kind of, oh, let's be happy. You know, I want to make you feel happy. That, that's totally the opposite yeah. of what compassion is. So in this movement or in this kind of... Um, this whole process that we've been talking about, it's about being real with yourself mm-hmm. and, and understanding that this work is hard, that there is going to be moments of distress, pain, hurt, anger. It's about acknowledging it and accepting it. Mm-hmm. And you have to then almost go back to your why why are you doing this you know mm-hmm. and we we have you know in 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 um in therapy we have a specific model that talks about this it's called acceptance commitment therapy act and it talks just about that it talks about your whys your values what is it that it wants you know your desires your hopes your dreams because if we lose sight of that that's when we start to feel lost Mm-hmm. But actually what we know, and again, it comes all from this Buddhist, Buddhist ideas, is that actually we need to be able to tolerate, to accept mm-hmm. that actually to be human, we have to feel every single emotion that is available to us. You know, mm-hmm. there's no such thing as a life without pain, sorrow, sadness, anger. We accept mm-hmm. the joy and, you know, all of that, just like in Inside Out, <laughs> yeah it's every single emotion you know it's exactly that we have to we have to be able to be okay with that and sit with that and heal ourselves with that because those emotions you know those difficult emotions that we they they tell us something they're there for Mm -hmm. a reason um and it's about finding our own ways of being able to tolerate them and manage them Mm, that's very powerful And yeah, I think we have to acknowledge that it's not going to be a smooth journey. It's something that's very hard and with many obstacles. 
And accepting this and understanding this is really key to kind of embarrassing the ups and downs that we might face and just continuing onwards. And as we're nearing the end of our discussion, do you have any final thoughts or comments about the movie? Uh, oh. I love the fact that it was a um, a girl who was at the center of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the fact that it, it centered around her. There were obviously male characters, her dad and you know, um, her boyfriend that were around that. Um, and, and, you know, for a girl, teenage girl watching that, that's probably quite powerful. Mm-hmm. I think what I would have liked to have seen is, you know, because I guess, you know, one of the things I, I constantly look out for is colorism, shadism, all of that stuff. And, you know, they picked, they probably picked her because of the fact that she was, she's a very attractive young girl. But I wondered what would it have been like if we had, if they had um, cast, you know, a darker skinned, you know, um, young mm-hmm. woman. What would that have been like? What, what, how would that representation come across as? Because it, it felt a little bit, you know, oh, wow, she's very light skinned and she's closer to whiteness than maybe she is to, to blackness. And actually, did, you know, did she, did they discuss that, you know, and it would have been great if they did kind of talk about skin color and stuff. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, there's so many levels of, of this topic that could be, could have been examined a bit deeper, but I guess, you know, when you've got a storyline and you've only got, you know, a certain amount of time to try and, get through it you know you can only go through so much um but yeah I think for me that that would have been something quite quite interesting to to see more of and I'd I'd like to I'd like for more um mainstream stories to cover these these more kind of more subtler but you know um important issues that occur within within you know um communities of color Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And by talking about it, it's how we generate an understanding and we educate others around us as well of this issue. And on social media, we see a growing movement for colorism, and hopefully it will amplify and even more people can come to awareness about this and it can be addressed. Mm, Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking the time out and talking to us today. I know that you have a really busy schedule, so this really means a lot to us. I'm sure that our listeners will have learned a lot. I know I did. And again, just thank you so much. No, it's my pleasure. I loved it. (laughs) Bye. Thank you so much for listening to our episode. Stay tuned for more episodes coming soon. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at shatteringthestigma underscore and check out our website at shatteringthestigma.wixsite.com slash project. I'll leave this information in the description of this episode as well. Thank you for now and we'll be back soon.